welcome to episode 35 of the Alan Badger podcast. My name is Tim and I'm joined by my very good friend Helen and we are two Christians who are seeking to understand the world around us through a biblical worldview. We want to encourage our listeners to apply critical thinking to current events and pursue truth as we seek to live for Christ. Good evening, Helen. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. Good evening. Great, great. It's been a, it's been a, it's been a uh, while since we've done the last episode. Has anything yeah. exciting happened in your life um, in the uh, days in between episode thirty four and episode thirty five? <laughs> I can't think of anything terribly exciting. No, no, nothing at all. No, no, no. kind of major, major things happening. Uh, Any minor no. things. Minor things. Wimbledon has started, so oh, it has, hasn't it? Yeah, that's so it's raining hard. The bat and ball yeah. game. <laughs> you, yeah, yeah. You, you, do you do you watch it then? Do you watch Wimbledon? Um, not as much as I used to. No, I don't watch very much. Okay, I prefer you... to play now. Yes, I did watch Djokovic. Obviously, I'm a bit of a Djokovic fan, so I did watch him yesterday. Is that is that Novak's? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> he's the man. Yeah. Um, is he is he, he favourite is he favourite to win because I mean um, I have to be honest I probably know as much about tennis as I do about cricket so that's <laughs> oh, not honestly a I don't amount. know I should I think might he's... ask you if Stefan Edberg is still playing yeah <laughs> no I think he's not been around for a while um, I should think Novak is up there yeah uh, I think he probably is okay he's not favourite yeah he he could win I hope he does. Well, well, that's yeah. yeah. You'd be yeah. You'd be a worthy winner, wouldn't you? Be a worthy be. winner. Have you ever, have you actually been to Wimbledon? No, I've never been. No. no. Well, neither have I, which is probably not a surprise given how much I know about it. <laughs> um, but there we go. But actually, okay. So talking about uh, Novak's Djokovic leads us nicely into our our first little little point we want to just mention here, which is of course the. Uh, the COVID inquiry, which is riveting, isn't it, Helen? Um, oh, yeah. I've not been paying it a massive amount of attention, um, but but I just thought I'd mention it simply because that is that is what's been happening happening at the moment. Um, do you have any thoughts about it at all? Or um, well, I don't have very high expectations. No, um, I, I noticed that when they started their their. Um, I think they they were all taking COVID tests and suggesting oh, right. various were, yes. COVID precautions. Mm. This is you know, now, and I thought, well, that's not a good sign, is it? For <laughs> no, no, it's not. No, no, please, please I, yeah. I mean, first of all, we're all told, obviously, that, that COVID has has finished. Uh, but yes, it it is it is a um, it is a bit of a, a sideshow. Um, I think. What it seems to me is is basically it's, it's going to be a whitewash, as most uh, I think we said before, most most inquiries like this are. And um, unfortunately, we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, but I suspect it will it will um, legitimise uh, tyranny. Really, in other words, it will legitimise the actions that the government took. But what it will do is say we should have locked down sooner. We should have put bigger restrictions in sooner. We should have done all the tyrannical things that the government did in 2020 and 2021 to a greater scale um but we, you know we'll we'll wait and yeah. see we'll, well wait and see on that one certainly what hancock wants isn't it it is i yeah i mean i, I don't know yes yeah, so the less 
the less we uh, say about that man, the better, I think. Um, otherwise, probably end up saying something I shouldn't say. <laughs> um, but other good news this week, Helen, uh, is of course the uh, Bank of England uh, says people of any gender identity can be pregnant. That's that's good. I'm really I'm I don't know about you, but I'm really pleased that the Bank of England have said that because when they're talking about monetary policy, talking about um, people of any gender identity can be pregnant is is obviously very relevant and uh, and it fills me with a sense that these are people who who know what they're talking about they're sensible people they they're, they're grounded in reality and they have a lot to contribute towards our overall well-being as a country is that is that the impression that this gives you as well um, yes and that they're they're absolutely fixed on um financial matters that's what they're they are, about aren't all they? the time obviously yeah i, I was i was uh, i was yeah. i was amazed by this one and and apparently yes yeah, so the bank of england have said that people of any gender identity okay can be treated as pregnant and it and it has pledged to dedicate a floor of its office to offering gender gender neutral lavatories. And apparently, the bank came fifty seventh in Stonewall's annual list of best employers last year after submitting a hundred and three page application. Um, so yeah, uh, that's the Bank of England. They, they say the bank itself says this. They say the bank is committed to being an inclusive place to work for all of its colleagues who are all dedicated to delivering monetary and financial stability. So there we go. Um, and and yeah, I mean, do you have anything else to say on that? Um, n- not really. Apart from they make us look a laughing stock, really. They do, they do, don't they? I mean, it's it's difficult to know when you see something like this whether to laugh or to cry. Um, but of course, you know, this is segueing nicely into our main topic of conversation here. But there was there was something else which which struck me again from a, an institution that um, most of us will be familiar with, which is the Royal Air Force, the RAF, and apparently um, they were interviewing somebody who was who was commenting about. Um, an AS1, which apparently is an air specialist technician, who recently identified as non-binary. And this person had to make a decision about uniform. And they ended up choosing to wear a male uniform, even though this person was a woman. And the person from the RAF was was saying, not not the person in question, but, but commenting on this, the person in the RAF was saying how this made this person feel so much more at home and comfortable. And I think that's what we want from our armed forces, isn't it? That people should feel at home and feel comfortable. Um, it's reassuring. It's in a similar vein to the Bank of England, um, you know, talking about uh, people of any gender identity can be pregnant. I, I think this is reassuring, isn't it, Helen, really? It's very reassuring. And I'm sure the Russian army are quaking in their boots. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, is that if we were, hey, if we could, if we could go back in time, five years or so and listen to us talking about these things we would either think we had lost our minds or we were talking about some fictional parallel universe which we were pretending to be in um what we wouldn't think is that this is actually the world in which we live but there we go there we go um so today in this uh, this episode we want to just talk a little bit about 
pride because at the moment it's been um, all over the news in terms of being pride month. And um, I think actually sometimes it feels more like pride year, to be honest, but it'd be quite helpful to just focus on a few bits and bits and pieces around this just to get a bit more of a grounding, but also I think to be an encouragement um, to, to keep pursuing truth and uh, an encouragement to ultimately remind ourselves that uh, Jesus is one day coming back and that day is getting ever ever closer. But in the meantime, it might mean that things um, get a little bit tricky. Um, but we've had uh, we've had someone else that we've spoken about quite a lot, um, Andrew Bridgen. He's been he's been in the news as well, hasn't he, Helen? Do you want to talk about yeah. him a little bit? Because yes. it's it's interesting what he's been saying, isn't it? Yes. Um, yeah, I watched what he had to say. Um, well, according to the um, Daily Mail, they wrote, Reclaim Party MP Andrew Bridgen, who was kicked out of the Conservatives for comparing COVID vaccines to the Holocaust, failed with his proposals for new laws. He had attempted to use a 10-minute rule motion to introduce a bill on gender and parental rights in schools to the commons. Yeah. Um, this, this. Yeah. So that which that statement by the mail is is inaccurate in already in saying that he compared the vaccines to the Holocaust, which is not what it's he not did. what he not actually what he did. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, that's very true. Um yeah. And and this this ten ten minute rule. Um, basically, it, it, it's it's a mechanism for allowing a a backbench MP, for example, to to make his or her case for a new bill in a speech lasting up to ten minutes. And uh, so, a bill could be a proposal for a new law or a proposal to change an existing law, and it's presented for debate before Parliament, which is which is what he was he was doing. Um, and he was talking, wasn't he, about the dangers of of children being able to transition without the, out their parents knowledge um which which again it, it ties in with kind of what we introed with with the bank of england and the raf it, it feels like we're talking about fancy land here doesn't it helen uh, yeah so- yeah so not just about children transitioning um but without their parents knowledge yeah it's really yeah it was it was quite the fact that he's had to bring this before parliament is quite telling isn't it the fact that we're in yeah. this situation um, yes, and his speech was excellent. Um, everything he said, I agreed with. Um, I mean, we can um, read out a few of the things that he said. He yeah, said, yeah. the issue that I bring to the House today needs a bill, the very necessity of which is both grotesque and revealing of an absurdity, the turning of a blind eye to the real-world effects that seemingly good-faith legislation has had on our education system, on schools and on society as a whole. He went on to say, dismantling the male-female binary will dismantle the world and pull out a foundational block of society. And then he said, who knows where the Jenga tower may fall, but one thing is certain, the tower will fall and we should all be ashamed that we would doom our children to such a fate. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he, he's he's quite brave, isn't he? Because um, 
he taught he also said that what's happening in our schools is unacceptable and there is a need for immediate action classrooms should be a safe harbor inclusivity has become a double-edged sword cutting through the very fabric of childhood every child has the right to innocence and immunity from the sexual perversions of adults yeah i think i mean it's difficult to know what to argue with with what he's saying there and, and yet he his um proposal was was voted down by 40 to 34 votes i mean in, in and of itself is you know there's not a great deal 74 mps is not a huge amount is it really helen i suppose anyway no but... that's just typical really of the low numbers that you'd expect for important topics like the welfare of children like we saw with the vaccine harms where there are yeah. even fewer yeah um and I mean, maybe maybe we'll talk about this in, in a few moments. But I think where he's, he's he says, you know, every child has a right to innocence and immunity from the sexual perversions of adults. But surely that that should be it should be a given, shouldn't it? In a in a what might be deemed as a civilized society in which we live. But clearly, well, we both know that that's not the case, as as we'll talk about in in, in a minute. But. Um, there's a real contrast with with um, another MP. Was was he this this other MP? Was he your local MP, Helen? Is that right or not? Yeah, M- right? MP Ben Bradshaw. Right. Um, I think he is now Sir Ben Bradshaw. Is he? Okay. Yeah, apparently. Right. Um, he was my MP for a while. Yeah, when I lived in Exeter. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's been an MP there for a long time. Okay. Um, not my favourite person. No. I have to say. He's um, uh, what's the terminology? A, uh, I think he calls himself a practicing Anglican. Right, um, a practicing Anglican. Yeah. I, I'd like to know what the practicing part means. Does that mean go to church? Um, sure. I wonder. Maybe maybe yeah. somebody could t- could tell tell us what practicing means as opposed to non-practicing, identifying as a practicing one. Maybe maybe that's, that's what he means. But, he, but his response he was, was there, wasn't he? Just in, appalling. In yeah, what did he say? Yeah. Uh, well, amongst other things, he said, um, we, uh, I don't know who he, he was speaking for, everyone else, I think he thought he was speaking for, we felt it was important to send a clear message from this place, particularly to young LGBT people and their families, that this nasty bill does not represent the views of Parliament. Wow. Wow. I think what, what struck me about about that kind of opening bit that it's it's not whether the bill is moral or just or righteous but the fact that it's nasty it surely surely he should be concerned with is this is this a righteous bill is this is this just is it going to do good for society but no it's it's, it's just brought down to to being nasty as if as if kind of people having being stroked and told everything's okay a kind of a there there kind of approach to life is all that matters it's very condescending isn't it very patronizing mm. but yeah what does he go on to say then does he, does um, he have anything he more said yeah he said that um Bridgen's bill would turn the clock back to an age in which the very existence of trans and non-binary people was simply not acknowledged it would force young people to continue living in the gender assigned at birth 
even when, as in the vast majority of cases, they have the full support of their parents to transition and live in their chosen gender. Wow. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't realise, yeah, li- li- okay, yeah, living, living, children living in their gender assigned at um, birth. I, I wonder, I wonder if he's considered who assigns their gender at birth. As a practicing Anglican, maybe that should be a question that, that somebody asks him because it'd be interesting to know what his answer would be, wouldn't it? Yeah. Because well, this... maybe he should maybe he should consider what the person who who assigns the gender at birth feels about this. Do you know well, what I it's, mean? It's it's nonsense terminology anyway, isn't it? You're it not is. <laughs> you're not assigned a gender at birth. Uh, your gender is observed at birth. Yes, yes, I mean, quite. You're, you're created by God. Exactly, um, yeah. And you're created either male or female. And all the person does who delivers the baby is observe what it is that um, you've, that has, has been given birth to. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what I was meaning. You should take it up with God. You should, yeah, you should, you should. You should, you should go and say, yes, yeah. that, that he, you know, but of course um, he obviously won't won't do that um yeah so he he then he also he he used this this really frustrates me this is the the line that's peddled he said parents would face the impossible choice of forcing their child to continue living in the gender they no longer identify with with all the negative often devastating impacts on that child's mental health Mm -hmm. or removing them from school and educating them at home um uh, what he didn't go quite as far as saying. Well, I think he. I think he may have said it. Um, I think he quoted statistics on this. Actually, is the line that's often peddled is, well, effectively, you either you either let your child do this, or they'll probably kill themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's what many parents are told. Which um, there's no evidence to suggest that that is the case. What there is plenty of evidence to suggest is that um, children in these situations they do have significant mental health issues and they need help exactly exactly yeah it it's it, you know it has very it has similar parallels to um to sex education in schools so so they don't teach abstinence in schools insofar as you you wait until you're married before having sex they teach if you're going to have sex, make sure it's consensual and, um, you know, make sure you use the right contraception or whatever it might be so you don't get a, a sexually transmitted disease. And it's 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 actually facilitating the, the young person causing hurt or being hurt and potentially upsetting a lot of what happens later on in life. And it's the same same approach with this. Instead of, instead of affirming the fact that this is a boy or this is a girl, they say no. If you, if you if you're uh, you know unsure about that, then you know you could you could you, as a boy you could you could be a girl or you could be you know whatever you want. It's nuts, isn't it? I mean, but it's it's the same it's the same approach that we've had for a long time, sadly with with sex education so it's it's no surprise but it's it's awful does he say anything else 
Yeah, yes. So he said, this bill is not about the welfare of young people. And it's not about the smooth running of our schools. It is about a cynical but completely transparent attempt to stoke the culture wars on the backs of our most vulnerable minority and their families. It is despicable. Wow. Wow. It's um, it's it's appalling. It's appalling what he's he's saying, and it's such a pity that the caliber of our members of parliament is so abysmally low in cases like Ben Bradshaw, but sadly many others. Um, and and it's a real shame. It's a real shame. And using that word despicable is is slightly unfortunate because there was a, another teacher that's that's another teacher. He's not a teacher, but there was a teacher. Sorry, I should say who was who was also in the, in the news uh, recently for saying for calling um, some girls in her class despicable for questioning. Uh, transgender ideology um, from Rye College, and probably many of you have, uh, listening to this probably heard of that unfortunate incident where pupils actually recorded what their teacher was saying in class, and it was a bit of an eye opener. But um, it seems it's 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 the party line, isn't it? Instead of engaging with truth, they want to drown people out, and it only it just ends up in tragedy. Um. And I think it's also just, it is, Andrew Bridgen is totally right to be concerned what is happening in schools because it it is deeply concerning, isn't it, Helen? I mean, we've both, I think, been on on this particular battlefield recently. Um, And it's it's really tough, isn't it? It, Yeah, it is. It's really tough. And just like like you were saying earlier, you know, these issues and the way they're being presented in schools, um, the way they're being taught, the way children's minds are being fed, all this these, this highly inappropriate, highly sexualized um, ideology is, is just, it's just awful. Um, and Andrew Bridgen is absolutely right. We should be protecting their innocence. We, we should, should be protecting their childhood. Yeah. Um, and these messages that they're being given, it's just um, it's just abhorrent. It really is. And, it, you know, the churches need to be speaking on this. Church leaders need to be speaking on this. They need to be engaging in this issue. And too few are, in my view. Yeah, you're 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 right. You're absolutely right. And I think I think this this issue of of childhood um of childhood innocence you know andrew bridgen he said and he said every every child has the right to innocence and immunity from from the sexual perversions of adults he's you know talking about um what what can can and sadly does happen but also it's it's alluding to what is what is taught in schools particularly in in pshe lessons and I had a I had a conversation with a teacher recently where about this this very subject and one of the things that um I raised with this teacher was the fact that it is removing children's innocence and schools schools if anything should be at least a haven of innocence as much as they are able to but but unfortunately they're not they are <sighs> That through PSHE particularly are um, propagating evil, frankly, 
and mm. and it and it's awful. And I think we we said many times on this podcast, you know, pray for teachers, but also teachers teachers do need to start speaking up themselves. It's no good just going along with it. And it's hard, and it is really hard because there's a cost here. I mean, there's a cost. Of, like the example of uh, Christy Hicks, who was um, a Christian teacher who was sacked um, after raising concerns about what was being taught in regard to LGBT issues in lessons. Um, so raising your head above the parapet, it is very risky. But it's like saying, Helen, we've, we've got to find a way to not only pray for those Christian teachers, and if you're listening to this and you're in church, you probably will know teachers in your church. Pray for them, come alongside them, encourage them. But also, they need to find, I think, courage and boldness to stand up for truth. And when you know somebody who's doing that, encourage them all the more to do it and be prepared to stand with them. But um, it's, yeah, it's it's really quite, it's, it's, real, it's a real eye-opener isn't it what, what's happening in schools at the moment and I, th- I think it is we've said we've said this before it's becoming untenable as a christian to send your child to a to a normal school it's it's actually reached that point do you think or do you think that's going too far helen what do you think no i don't i don't think that's going too far um i think i've said before if my children were little now i would i would homeschool them yeah well that's yeah, i would that find would, a way to do that yeah, yeah you're right that would be the only the only option um, and we're, you know we're aware on this podcast. It's it's very easy to um, to talk about things and feeling like everything's negative and feeling like oh everything's a bit doom and gloom. We, and we certainly don't want to be doing that. I mean, a lot of the, most of the subjects we talk about are quite heavy subjects. They're not. It's not a light-hearted podcast in that regard. Um, but we've got we've got to we have got to be open and prepared to accept the reality of the situation because unless we're prepared to accept the reality of the situation we find ourselves in we we don't stand a chance of actually doing anything about it uh, and that's really important but we also need to understand that we can do something about it once we've accepted that reality so i think like we're saying you know just be be on the lookout to encourage particularly christian teachers because they are on a on a battlefront but encourage yeah. them to be brave because Now's the time to be speaking up. Now's the time to be counted. Uh, it's not a time to be silent. It's no. not a time to just go along with it and say, oh, it doesn't really matter because it does matter. Um, yeah. And equally, I think a challenge to um, parents, to grandparents, to um, you know, and anyone who um, you, you know is part of families with children who are in school Um you know, engage on this issue and and really an encouragement to gain some confidence in this area because I think this is absolutely a biblical issue and God, um, you know, he blesses us with children. But it's an awesome responsibility for for those of us who are parents, but but for all of us as Christians, we are we are responsible for um, the young amongst us and. Um, I think first and foremost, we must remember that God gives us as parents and as as the Christian community the responsibility to educate and to um, raise in godly ways the children that we have been given by God. Mm. And that job is not to be just sort of 
passed on to the schools, we have the responsibility first and foremost. Exactly. So exactly. You know, the schools really, they come next. That they're, they're, you know, I think that order has got wrong, and you know, we're not. We should not be just handing our children over to the to the state and accepting that the state knows best. No, they belong exactly. in their family, and it is the family that knows best. Yes, totally agree. Totally agree, and and I think. It, it, to analyse what happens at school is, is to understand the difference between education and, in, and indoctrination. I want my boys to go to school to be educated. I do not send them to school to be indoctrinated. Yeah. That's my job as a parent, to indoctrinate yeah. my children with, with yeah. truth, with yeah. biblical truth and soundness as much as I'm able to. But, um, but yeah, school sadly has uh, erred into indoctrination so yeah so do you know do do pray for andrew bridgen as well um he seems to be um plowing a lonely furrow um he's not the only mp who speaks up about this stuff but he is in a very small minority it would seem and um yeah i, I mean our our, our democracies has got huge issues anyway without all this stuff but but with yeah, with all these challenges on top of that, it's it's a really tough tough gig he's got. So yeah, do do pray for him as well. Um, right, shall we shall we move on to just looking at a bit of a bit of pride history? Because one of the reasons we wanted to do this particular episode is is to is to just understand a little bit about about um, pride in terms of what might historically be called, you know, it was called gay pride. It's, it's no longer called that. It's just referred to as pride, pride week, pride month. Um, it's difficult if I'm honest to know when it, it stops and finishes because it does seem to get longer each year. And you certainly look at some websites and, and there's events that go through the whole year. Um, but just really briefly, Pride Month actually dates back to the Stonewall riots, and uh, these are also known as the Stonewall Uprising, and they're basically a series of confrontations in the late 60s, 1969 to be exact, between police and, and gay rights activists outside the Stonewall Inn, which was a, a bar in, in Greenwich Village in Greenwich, Greenwich village in new york in america um and following these these riots um the first pride marches took place and the pride movement then spread across the united states after a few years and of course we spread around much of the western world as as people will be aware and as of i think 2020 at least most pride celebrations in major urban areas are held in June, but like we say, it does seem to kind of go outside that quite a bit. Um, it's interesting, actually, looking back to uh, to the to the golden days of 2019. Do you remember that, Helen? Do you remember? The, oh, it seems the, a long the, time ago. The, the, the old world, the old the world. old world. <laughs> yeah, 2019. Wow. And uh, there was a different prime minister then, Theresa May, and she said. The pride season is always a high point of the summer. Uh, that's interesting, isn't it? That's Theresa May saying that. And she even hosted the Downing Street reception in anticipation of, of the London parade and used, incidentally, the Prime Minister's questions in Parliament to endorse her support of all things LGBT. 
So it really does infiltrate every area of modern life, it would seem. So that's kind of bit about where pride came from. But of course, one of the things that just we'll before see... we move on, I'm yeah, go just for, go for in, yeah. interested there about Theresa May, uh, another uh, practicing Anglican. Is that the one? I believe um, she, I think, she was um, or is. Yes. <laughs> but interesting, I didn't know that she'd said that. That it's always the high point of the summer. I would have expected her maybe to say that you know, church fates. Or Wimbledon, maybe. Wimbledon, yes, <laughs> the high point of the summer. <laughs> yeah, it it is. It's always like um, I think politicians, particularly, are always looking for a helpful soundbite to further their political career, aren't they? And um, I, I guess she perceived that as an easy win, but sadly, like many easy wins, they can come back and bite you later on. Um, but yeah, yeah, it is, it is a it is an interesting one. It's a strange one to say is a high point but there we go she she can say that so one of the things that is noticeable isn't it helen is you look around and there's a pride flag in my son's school there is a flagpole and there is a pride flag flying at the top of it at the moment uh, i've seen it in various primary schools driving around as well which is again is you know don't want to think too deeply about it at this stage, but it, it's it's noticeable. Have you have you got many near you? I mean, I suppose they're kind of vying for space with the Ukrainian flag, aren't they? How's yeah, it work for we, you? And your we part still of the world? Our, our local church still has the Ukraine flag flying from the flagpole. Um, probably need more flagpoles, don't they? Yeah, remember? they probably do. Yeah, because yeah. So the, no, that one, that didn't change. But I noticed um, in town. Yes, the um, Posh Boys School had the pride flag. Oh, really? Flying from the flagpole. Yeah. A boys school. Wow. Mm. A posh boy. So, so posh. that so that's a paying school, is it? Yes. Let's yes, see. it is. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, so just a little brief history on the pride flag. And again, you know, you, you, you as listeners, you may you may know this, but it's it's just worth um, having a little bit of background. Um, originally designed by a chap called um, Gilbert Baker, who um, apparently was a, an openly gay man and a, a drag queen. And uh, he revealed that um, he was urged on by, by Harvey Milk, who was one of the first openly gay elected officials in the United States to create a symbol of pride for the gay community. And uh, he said that our job, he said, uh, as as gay people was to come out, to be visible, to live in the truth, as I say, to get out of the lie. It's interesting, isn't it? A flag really fits that mission because that's a way of proclaiming your visibility or saying, this is who I am. And uh, Baker actually saw the rainbow as a natural flag from the sky. So he adopted eight colours for the stripes, each colour with its own meaning. So there was hot pink for sex, red for life, orange for healing, yellow for sunlight, green for nature, turquoise for art, indigo for harmony, and violet for spirit. Did you know that, Helen? Were you aware of all that? No, I did know that the colours represented something, but I wasn't, no, I wasn't aware of exactly what each colour. Yeah, it's interesting, represented. isn't it? But apparently, due to production issues, the pink and the turquoise stripes were removed and indigo was replaced by basic blue. That sounds, I, th I think that sounds a bit suspect to me, that reasoning. Production issues. Anyway, <laughs> and this resulted in the current six striped flag, red, orange, yellow, green, blue and violet. 
Um, so turquoise was art, and what was pink? No, oh, pink. Uh, pink was for sex. So there we go. They've taken art and sex out of the flag. Um, and so they now have um, apparently this a progress flag. And uh, this this has um, coloured stripes with uh, different meanings put into it. Uh, you've got light blue, pink and white stripes, and these represent trans and non-binary individuals, and the brown and black represent marginalised people of colour. And the black stripe also has a double meaning, as it's intended for those living with AIDS and stigma and prejudice surrounding them and those who have been lost to the disease. So that's a, that's a lot of... A lot of information in a pride flag. I think that's what is interesting is because you, you look at you look at them and you think there's a lot going on there. There's a lot of meaning in there, and and this is just kind of touching on it briefly, but it's interesting, isn't it? Yes, um, it's got quite complicated, hasn't it? Um, it? It feels like it's got quite complicated. Yeah. Yes, well, I, I thought that that where you've just finished reading, I thought we'd got to um, that was it, but there's more, isn't there? Um, that's there not is, it. <laughs> yes, there is more. There is more. Uh, we, what we've also got the trans flag. So you, most people will be familiar with this, with the um, five horizontal horizontal stripes: two light blue, two pink, and one white. Um, and the designer of of this particular flag describes the meaning as follows. It says the stripe at the top and the bottom are light blue, the traditional masculine colour. The stripes next to them are pink, the traditional feminine colour, and the stripe in the middle is white for those who are transitioning or consider themselves having a neutral or undefined gender. And so we you see you see that a lot a lot now, don't we? The 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 trans flag. Yeah, or well that's um, superimposed, isn't it, onto the pride flag? It is. It is. And did you do you do you want to tackle the next one, Helen? Because oh, there, there is a third one. I mean, we're not claiming here, by the way, to to covered all the flags, but we, but there's definitely definitely three key ones that we that we've covered. Yeah. So this is the new one for me. This is the the newest one. Um, this is the intersex pride flag, um, which was designed by Morgan Carpenter. Um, and it has a yellow background, which is apparently a colour that avoids gender stereotypes. And it has a purple hoop, which symbolises wholeness and completeness and our potentialities. Mm. Um, is that a word? Well, potentialities. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure I've ever said that I word. Think, I think, I think <laughs> is that like our potential? Or, or, or are there different versions of potential, hence potentialities? Like we had the new word last time as well. We did have, yeah, this, this is, it's an education, isn't it? Yeah. Putting a podcast together. Let them, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this flag represents natural diversity in sex characteristics. Primary sex characteristics are those we are born with and secondary sex characteristics are those we develop at puberty. So in the words of the designer, I created the intersex inclusive pride flag to bring intersex inclusion to our global pride flag. I wanted to bring my community joy and to create greater allyship and support for people with natural diversity in their sex characteristics. At the time, my global community were feeling the isolation of lockdown and we were struggling to find resources, raise awareness and gain support. In the UK, we had just discovered that we weren't included in the 2021 census. 
I knew I needed to do something bold to raise intersex visibility. And the pride flag presented a beautiful and symbolic tool of allyship. I posted the flag on Instagram, which was picked up by a journalist who wrote an article saying, this is the new pride flag. And my flag became a global viral sensation overnight. It was so moving, people over all over the world were saying, yes, we're here for intersex inclusion. <laughs> I, 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 I admire you for being able to read read that and with with a straight face. Um, so I, I'm I'm struck by a number of things here, and I'm sure you are too. But let, let me start off. One of the one of the things that I, I've come across a number of times now is this whole thing about being an ally. Have you come across that, Helen? Yeah. 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 And we again this is going back to what, what we were talking about in schools earlier. This this is very much something that is 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 propagated in the school system. So it's about being an ally and being an ally of those who may identify as transgender or maybe gay, lesbian, non-binary, whatever it might be. And the idea is that you can be an ally and kind of be a supporter. The problem is, of course, that if you don't want to be an ally well what does that make you makes you an enemy i think it's it, war it, terminology, it potentially it? It, yeah it is war terminology and i think it does leave you with few options i mean enemy would be a be an obvious one but yeah it's a very very manipulative uh clever thing but one of the other things that struck me about this is you know the fact they're saying my flag became a global viral sensation overnight really it's a bit like there's a bit like saying oh the clap for carers thing Sunday just took off grassroots. No, it didn't. <laughs> no, it didn't. It's just like Laura Dodsworth said in a in a book, uh, "State of Fear." You know, it was very much facilitated and orchestrated. Um, there the really these days there isn't such a thing as grassroots, um, and uh, I think this is this is this is a similar thing. It wasn't just a case of somebody doing a nice little Instagram post. It was it was orchestrated. Put put out there um by those who have the power to do so um do you think or am i being a bit too bit too well, there? I, I mean i i i don't know i wouldn't be at all surprised what i do know is that this um this whole ideology is uh, has a very powerful movement behind it, it does yeah it certainly does it does and and actually it was interesting because if you look at if you I've not been into into the centre of London recently, um, but certainly down Regent Street there is um, a lot of the um, lot of these flags flying, and, and I believe they are the 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 intersex inclusive pride flags, and there's a hundred of them, like hanging down vertically. As you go down Regent Street, it's, it's quite oppressive, actually. Yeah, if you I've look seen at a photograph photo. of it. I, I, to start with, I, I didn't think that was real. I just thought that can't be real, but it is. It, 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 there's a darkness, isn't there, when you look at something like that, and and it's like it's not good. But anyway, it, it was interesting because um, I don't quite know that how it happened, but there were some council workers who were filmed removing um, the United. Uh, the United Kingdom, the flag, the the Union Jack, and they they were, I don't know if somebody had put it up alongside the one of these uh, pride flags, but they were taking it down 
and somebody was filming this is in Regent Street somebody was filming them taking it down questioning and saying what are you doing and these council workers were saying well we don't we don't think this is right either but we're this is what we're told to do uh it looked like somebody had maybe hung it up there to try and try and make a point or maybe it was the last one they were taking down I don't know which one which one it was but it was quite it was quite telling and it was quite oppressive uh to 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 hear them say that but you know they were in quotes just doing their job but i think there's there is there is a spiritual oppressiveness to flags do you know what i mean helen yeah yeah i, I do i mean they 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 must be of some significance because they've been used historically um mm. you know for with things of great meaning there's there's a significance to them isn't there and how they use yeah absolutely it kind of it, it, it it's it's your it's it's symbolizing an allegiance it's intended to um point to unity it's intended to be a, a focal point um and flags can be used for all sorts of purposes some religions have prayer flags like in buddhism for example and again, there's an oppressiveness there too, which is of a spiritual nature. But I think there is there is something significant in this, and and it's it's almost like it's a it's a physical manifestation of the darkness over this country. Is how I would actually describe it. Yeah, and and I think there's a significance also when a flag is being flown the top you know it's at the highest point isn't it mm. so it'll be at the top mm. of a church or the top yeah. of a state building or um a school flag or, or wherever it is but it's at the most visible point isn't it and it's it's like a um a sort of um covering or a um you know it's stating something above yes the location you know yeah. as if this is this territory or this yes. building or this institution. Yeah. This is what governs it, or this is what our values represent. Or yes, yes, whatever. yeah, you're, yeah, you, you've hit the nail on the head there. And yeah. everyone can see it. That's what mm. it's designed to be visible to everyone. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, you're right, and and I think yeah, and that that's that that just feeds the kind of oppressiveness, doesn't it? The oppressive nature of this, and and I suppose as you know, as Christians, it's this is this is why we are uncomfortable with it, or we should be uncomfortable with it. I think if we are comfortable with something like this, maybe there's something not quite right somewhere, possibly, but. Yeah, it's certainly it's certainly very noticeable. Um, well, of course, the other thing that we haven't mentioned, which um, you know is almost completely obvious, but of course it's it's the taking of that symbol of the rainbow, which mm. again has great spiritual significance to us as Christians, because of course it is the rainbow that God used as His sign to us that he would not devastate the world again by flood yep. um, in the time of Noah. Yeah, that's, that, is, that, is, that is a very important point. Um, 
and it's 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 again it's it's i think reminding us of of a negative thing here but it's an it's 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 an important thing in a sense is that the enemy satan it, it, it can only corrupt you can't create you can only corrupt you can only twist you can only destroy and this is a outworking of that you know um yeah i mean we it was i, I was always slightly puzzled i think when you know in in back in 2020 and 2021 a lot of a lot of people would put little rainbow flags in their windows saying thing you know thank you nhs a kind of strange sort of slight worship activity that people did with at the time you know some people i'm sure best of intentions and all the rest of it but anyway but it was it was what struck me was it's like oh okay this is actually at least we're seeing a rainbow flag in a different context here and and it's it's being um linked with hope rather than with sin um but it was still being at the end of the day still being hijacked wasn't it but yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was another example I remember at the time thinking, um, it's, you know, some Christians talk about reclaiming the rainbow. Mm. Um, and that was another example really where it felt, no, we still need to reclaim the rainbow because that's not what it's there for. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually God's promise and it's God's hope that we should have been thinking about at the time. Yeah. But, the the irony if you like especially with with the with the pride rainbow flag but also you know you could argue with the the kind of thank you nhs version is that the rainbow is is a reminder of um god's promise but it's also a reminder of god's judgment yeah exactly and yeah. that is of paramount importance because the world is going to be judged, the Bible tells us, and it's going to be judged with a finality that spans eternity. And now is the time of grace, now is the time of repentance, now is the time of forgiveness, now is the time of hope. And uh, I think that the, the message of the rainbow is, yes, there is God's promise, but also the rainbow's there because God judged the world. And there is a there is a greater judgment than the flood coming, and we're edging closer to that, closer and closer to that. And it's yeah, I suppose the, the 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 pride flag is always almost trying to kind of you know thumb thumb the nose as it were to God, isn't it? And it's like you you want people who fall for this to to wake up and extend grace and extend hope to them and say, look, turn now to jesus christ because he can save you he can rescue you um but now's the time to to take to take that um yeah. i think i want we want to just talk about something which is really oops, really um i think interesting and, and important here and, and it's the whole thing of of gnosticism um because We've we've spoken about transgenderism. We've spoken about pride, obviously, but transgenderism particularly 
has its roots in Gnosticism. And Gnosticism is something that that came about and in the early church is kind of it, it derives from the word gnosis, which is Latin for knowledge. And very briefly, but it's 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 kind of built around the claims that Jesus perhaps imparted special knowledge to disciples, to his disciples that isn't recorded in the gospels. And this special knowledge is only passed on to the initiated few. And without that, you can't be saved. And there's, there's much more to this than just simply that, but it's, it, it's a, it's, it's really a, a corruption. It's a false gospel. And, uh, you know, Gnostics, claimed that it was impossible to understand the gospel correctly without this secret knowledge, you see. And what's interesting is that it has, Gnosticism has contempt for the physical, for the flesh. Um, they deny that Jesus came to earth as fully God and fully man. And of course, in, in 2 John, it says that for many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh, such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. And perhaps there, John is actually talking about those early Gnostics who were going around saying such things. And Gnosticism rejects the created order, the created norm of male and female, that biological binary, if you like. Um, I think linked to that is is New Age feminism also has its roots in Gnosticism. And if you kind of take it forward from there, the ideal that's presented through a Gnostic worldview is androgyny. In other words, neither male or female. Could be, it could be either or neither. And I think what's interesting is that it, very much seems that the, the trans movement, the transgender ideology, is really a we a, a kind of it's a, a reawakened Gnosticism, and uh, it, it's kind of that age-old trick the devil used since the beginning, where he says, you know, did God really say? Um, so yeah, it's, it's quite, it's quite an interesting thing, but it, it lifts the lid on this, this, this whole spiritual dimension to what we're seeing at the moment. And, and actually the fact that, as it says in Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. This is not, we're not, what we're experiencing yeah. now is not a new thing. <laughs> That's this exactly is what I was the just age old say. thing. Yeah. Yeah. There is absolutely nothing new under the sun. Um, no, I think you're absolutely right. And um, and I think it's interesting to note that in order to transition this word that we hear so often nowadays from one gender to another, of course, in order, if you're going to do that, um, or say you want to do that, you have to be able to recognise the one that you are and the one that you want to transition to. Yes, so, yes. therefore, the idea of fluid gender or 52 or 76 or whatever the number is of genders is is complete nonsense. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, that it just, it just doesn't, it doesn't add up. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's, no, it doesn't you're right. It sense. doesn't. But, but like you say, it is, it's the age old tricks that the devil uses. And yeah. it will always be to undermine what God has said. Yes. 
and 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 I think I think this is the, this is the kind you know a kind of a gnostic worldview is almost the kind of thing that somebody like Steve Chalk would subscribe to. Uh, I don't know if you've you've followed any of, of his stuff, Helen, but I mean he he just he just unfortunately now just spouts utter nonsense. Yeah. And you know he's he this this kind of this gnosticism this kind of thing. Well, actually, we'll 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 we'll, we'll talk about Jesus, and then we'll add a load of stuff in, and then we'll 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 talk about all. Oh, you know, we think maybe that God has, or not God, but but somebody has revealed something new to us, and we're we're gonna we're gonna attach that to the gospel. And and the words that Jesus did say, we won't talk about those because they they don't actually matter anymore. And what you end up with is a false gospel and an antichrist message that tragically harms people and it harms them for eternity because they think oh, actually I'm putting my trust in Jesus when they're doing nothing of the sort and um it's it's really it it is it is pretty awful um so again it's a, this is about standing for truth it's about reminding ourselves re- encouraging one another to to look at the truth of who Jesus says he is as revealed to us in God's word in the bible and and which the Holy Spirit confirms that through God's word in a witness to our own spirits, and and that's so so critical now. I think as Christians to to be ever more ground grounding ourselves in that truth. You know what I mean? Because it's 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 we've got to do that because this onslaught that we're seeing is not going to let up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and and that's exactly what we need to do. We need to ground ourselves in the word in in what um in who Jesus says he is and in who Jesus says we are yeah. um and we'll talk about that a bit more in a minute and it's something I've been thinking about a lot and I'm just doing um piece of writing on now on on identity and and that is what is so critical is that we get our identity from Jesus it's Jesus who gives us our identity and who says who we are um you know children who are created by god and loved by god um and this is this is such a big problem in our society and this is where so many particularly young people are craving identity and this is why they're falling into into these traps that are being set for them is they they're longing for identity and they're longing for community and for something to belong to yeah yeah totally and it is it is so important and we might as well we might also think that that oh we know this stuff we know this stuff but we've got to remind ourselves haven't we like saying it's, it's so important to remind ourselves of these core truths and remind one another and build one another up it's so so important because there's a lot of, there's a lot of words now that are coming to our our uh, our everyday uh, language, if you like, maybe not language we use, but the language that we hear on TV or hear um, at school or at work, um, and, and words words like uh, cis or cisgender. Do you want to just explain something about that? Yes. Yeah, so cisgender, um, which means that if you say someone's cisgender, it means their gender matches that. Oh, it's that wretched words again assigned at birth 
Um, right. So basically, a cis woman means a real woman. Ah, okay. It's, yeah. So so now the expectation is uh, to be using cis. So I can't just say that I'm a woman. I'm supposed to say I'm a cis woman, which personally I wouldn't use such language and I actually find it offensive. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't say that. I'm not a cis woman. I'm a woman. Mm. And women should not have new terminology placed on them and nor should men. Um you know, I think if someone wants to call themselves a trans woman or a trans man, that that's up to them. Um, that's their ter terminology, but they don't have a right to redefine everyone else's. So that's what this cis word is all about. Yeah, it, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It, it is like it's like a kind of it, 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 it's almost giving permission for people like you and I, for example, who. You know, for me, identifying as a man, you identifying as a woman, Helen, um, to say, well, we'll we'll legitimise that as long as you, as long as you, um, you know, just just put put in a put in cis before it, that's okay. We'll let you let you do that. It's it's that kind of thing, isn't it? And yeah. um, like you say, it, it, it's what is one thing to talk about yourself and how you see yourself even though you know if we park the fact of whether what you say is truth or a lie if we park that bit for a moment what you say about yourself but is your is your it's up to you isn't it it's, it's up to you to say that but you can't then tell other people what they should be saying about them and that, that's a day that's a danger of this and i think it's interesting because it got me got me thinking this this whole subject of, of the words we use because it's very noticeable how language changes i remember the first time and it wasn't that long ago that i heard somebody use the word humankind and uh, can you get uh, you probably can't guess who it was but you won't be surprised when i tell you it was justin trudeau mm -hmm. and um he was saying this in a in a speech somewhere and he was saying humankind and it was noticeable because you think Good grief! What just say mankind? We all know what that means. It's not. It's not sexist. It's it, we know that man in that in that used in that way is referring to men and women. <laughs> we we're intelligent enough to understand that it's not offensive. Um, but yeah, and, and I think this this change this subtle tweaking of our language is important to clock because we can all too easily slip into this. And before we know it, we're saying, well, I'm a cis man because we've just allowed ourselves to become um, uh, kind of deadened to the sort of dangerous shifts in our in our language and, and the terminology we use. Can you think of any other words? I mean, I don't know. You might not, but well, do you, I was just you know what I mean actually, with that one? It's a weird I, one. I know, it's yes, notable. absolutely what you mean. The, the other day in a Bible study, I noticed that um, where two of us were using my the Bible that I use most of the time is is really quite old now, and someone else was reading from a much newer version. What, what's what's your what's your maker Bible? Is it NIV? My maker, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure okay. it's my favorite now, but because it's my the one I've had with me for a long time has got all my little markings and everything in it, but it's because it's very old. I think we've um, got the same one, haven't we? It's the, the original oh yeah, that's NIV. It. Yeah, yeah, the original exactly. NIV. The little, yeah, beaten yeah. up little old brown yeah. thing. Um, 
But in the newer versions, there's lots of those examples where the words mm. have been changed to be a lot more inclusive and yeah, quite noticeable. It it is noticeable, and there's certainly a lot of. I think I think I'm not. Uh, yeah, it's like tangent here, but I I'm not. Um, I'm not sure about the 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 new NIV version in terms of the the changes to the language because you I think there is a subtle drive in the kind of editorial oversight to like you say Helen make it more in quotes inclusive but we're you know we're handling God's word here yeah. it's not it's not about being inclusive it's about being faithful yeah. and and true um and yeah I mean I think I think my I really like the ESV. Yeah, I was going to say one. that's. I think I'm not really going to go too far wrong with that one. Version now, yeah. Um, the extra, the extra sound version, as somebody yeah. once said. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, coming back to the whole kind of the pride flag thing, I twigged that. Oh, this must be Pride Month because I think I was on some social media. It was probably. Um, Instagram or something like that and, and I was noticing oh this logo's changed and um, I think it was a bank had adopted the rainbow logo um, and it, and it's everywhere isn't it it's like suddenly it's like boom you know high street shops banks charities all adopting the 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 design language of the ideology that's being forced upon us it's very noticeable isn't it yeah it's very noticeable and it it feels like it's year on year it increases and and I've noticed how um you know it, it just the extent of that ha has has grown and um now even even charities the charity I used to work for they oh, Christian yeah, charity did, yeah I saw that now, it was really sad um, you know make their logo or pride colors for the month and um yeah it's like you say it's everywhere lapel badges on people working in shops and people's profile pictures on their social media and people wearing lanyards in pride colors and um i don't go out shopping very often but we went recently i went with my nieces and they were picking out, you know, look, that shop, that shop. Oh, we're not going in that shop. Look at, <laughs> there's just so many, many of them. Yeah, it, it, and, and, it, and it's, it's, it's kind of slowly getting to that point where it's not going to be noticeable which shops have the pride flag or, or which, um, which member of staff has the pride lanyard. What's going to be noticeable is who doesn't. Yeah, and that's the intention here. That's what's actually happening underneath. That's actually the aim. The aim is to outlaw dissent. The aim is to remove any uh, any barriers to this ideology becoming well. It's already mainstream, but becoming the norm, if you like. Um, and I think you know Stonewall and and others, other organisations that work the same way to them. They've they've really had it had a, an easy ride with with propagating this. I think and so they must be quite um, quite pleased, I would imagine, with 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 how how well it's going because it is it is uh, it is everywhere, isn't it? 
It um, is, yep. Unless, of course, the, uh, the, the, the organisation in question happens to be in a Muslim country as well, in which case, interestingly, their logo won't have the, uh, the rainbow colours behind it, which is also noticeable, isn't it? It is very noticeable, and it just shows it's all, it's all to do with um, profit and, and what they think is going to be to their advantage. Yeah, it does. It does, um, and I and I think as well as in, if you listen to this podcast and you are a Christian, um, it's really important that we're on the lookout in church for things where it's like a foot in the door, because none of the changes that we've talked about um, have happened overnight. Yes, they might have, I think over the last few years, it certainly sped up. Absolutely, yes. But but it's it's been a constant and gradual process to where we are now. And in churches, it will start often with just, just a small thing. It could be, well, actually, you know, let's just... What we won't do is won't, we won't talk about human sexuality from the front of church. We don't we don't want to upset people because there may be people in our church that are struggling with this. And yes, we should be aware of that. But there's people in church who are struggling from a whole range of things that if we actually said, well, we're not going to talk about this or, or this subject, we, we probably wouldn't talk about anything no, in exactly. church. And we have to do this in faith and obedience to God and his word, knowing our job is to proclaim it faithfully. And God does what we can't do in terms of working uh, in our hearts through his Holy Spirit as his word is proclaimed. But if if in church it is perceived actually well, we'll just soften our stance here, or you know what, we won't we won't say that marriage is between one man and one woman because again, we don't want to alienate people. We want to be seeker sensitive. Those are red flags, and if you have that in your church, um, that's that's a sign of con- to be concerned, and certainly to. Uh, be speaking uh, gently but firmly with your church leader or leadership and saying look hold on you know is this, are you sure this is the right thing because i don't i don't think this is the right thing to do and, and sometimes they might need a bit of bit of courage they might need somebody to come and say to them you know to pull them up and say look i'm not sure this is the right thing to be doing and that conversation could change the direction um you know what I mean, don't you, Helen? There, it's very easy for these things to slip in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, it is. Um, and I think I think part of that danger and part of the problem where so many Christians come unstuck is this, um, you know, where we we know that God loves us, um, and of course, the Pride movement have been very clever in using this this phrase love is love which of course doesn't mean anything does it but the danger for us as christians is you know god is love which is of course true um but falling into the trap of and therefore we can't you know jesus loves us he loves everyone therefore Mm. we can't say anything about that might upset anyone or say that 
anything anyone does is wrong or that that's a sin or um because then we're not being loving and that's just a that's just a huge trap to fall into which of course jesus himself never did and he showed us perfectly how to love um and you know there are many examples of where he he encountered broken people sinful people um and he healed them and he offered transformation to them offered um salvation to them but every time he told them to turn from their sin and follow him Mm, he never condoned their sin he always and 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 some walked away and and others others followed him um that that is that is obviously yeah so so true and it's such it's such an important reminder reminder for us because it is very easy to fall into that trap isn't it of well god god loves us and it's like yes he does love us but but it but do you realize how you know how amazing his love is i mean i remember preaching one uh, preaching a few times when i said this actually that that um uh god doesn't god doesn't forgive us because he loves us he forgives us because he sent his son to die on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin that we might actually put our faith and trust in him and what he's done for us and be saved that's how much he loves us he loves us enough to do that and and i think we've got to we've got to really grab hold of this biblical truth of what the love of god actually means and mm. and how we communicate that to people is of the utmost importance and um, well it's a costly love it, it is costs, it, it costs is. god everything it costs exactly. him his precious son um but what um the pride movement is offering is a is a cheap imitation it's a of counterfeit. love it's a counterfeit it's not the real thing so when they're using the words they often use the words of love and tolerance and and the whole point of that is well who can argue against that yeah except actually there's often little of either to be found the most vocal advocates of the movement are examples of exact opposite you see um intolerance of anyone who doesn't hold to their views um and effectively hatred of anyone who makes a stand against their ideology um yes yeah, you know, it's, love it's is not, love. It's not actually very tolerant, is it? It's, it's kind of a hypo- hypocritical uh, tolerance, <laughs> a pseudo tolerance. Yeah. Um, and it's actually it's actually a tolerance when man decides what the parameters of that tolerance are. And yeah, I think it's just what we're seeing, sadly, in our culture is is an outworking of what happens when. A society rejects God, um, and yeah, it's... yeah. Well, if you think about, um, you know, the truth is that God is love, and the Bible tells us exactly what that looks like. And mm. um, I'll just read out the passage, which you'll often hear at, at weddings. But um, if you just have a think about all of the things that. Um, that you might imagine if you watch a pride march or the things that that pride stands for and then listen to these words and this it's this it's so so different 
complete opposite. So the Bible says this is what love looks like. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And that's from 1 Corinthians 13. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And we have to take the whole of that, don't we? We have to, we have to understand the entirety of what that actually, actually means. Um, does not delight in evil, is not proud. That flies in the face of pride, doesn't it? Um, It rejoices with the truth, um, protects, perseveres, hopes. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, It's really amazing. So in terms of like, as as we kind of bring the, um, this episode into land slowly, um, what, there's various things we could we could do and and not do as Christians, aren't there? Um, because what? Yeah, do you want to talk about this a bit, Helen? Because there's there's lots of things that I suppose we could we could touch on, and we haven't got time to touch on everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, I suppose one one of them as Christians, um, you know, we shouldn't be supportive of pride as a movement. Certainly no. not pride marches. Um, uh, you know, I, unfortunately, I've seen many examples of um, of churches doing just that. You know, going on pride marches. Um, really, the whole thing. we talked about wow. pride. I think we mentioned in the last podcast, did we, about the um, pride services that are held often in cathedrals? Um, yeah, we we talked. I think we talked about the was it the the trainee vicars is oh, in Portsmouth right, yeah. or something. It was just. Um, slightly outrageous what they were saying Um, but yeah yeah so um, I mean those sorts of things that they're examples of the things that that we should should not be doing and like you said I think it's important that we um, are courageous and that we are prepared to stand for um, God's word and what he says and the truth yeah yeah and 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 I think I think I mean this this should go without saying, but we'll say it anyway. We we're we're not. This isn't about saying oh we don't um, we don't extend love and kindness to those who would support a pride movement, for example, or might be openly gay or um, to define themselves as being. A, tra- a person who's trans for example it's not saying we're not saying that we're saying we're saying we've got to start here with what is true so that we can we can extend god's love god's grace god's kindness to them as has been extended to us um recognizing that we're all in need of god's forgiveness through the lord jesus christ but that doesn't mean that we don't say this thing is wrong or this is true. We've got to also be salt and light. We've got to be making a difference and we've got to be standing up for, for what is right. And I think we it's really important that we we understand this just kind of 
basic um, outworking of being a follower of Jesus. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is, it is kind of, it is saying all that is really challenging what's happening at the moment, isn't it? Because the, it does feel like it's um, almost like an onslaught, doesn't it, Helen? I mean, there was, there was, you know, recent footage from an American pride march. And, and I think, I, I think this is probably, um, if it can even describe this like tongue in cheek, I think they were trying to be kind of, prov- you know, intentionally provocative, but, you know, they were chanting, we're here, we're queer, we're coming for your children. And this is the reality of where we're at now. And it's within this this onslaught that we still have to extend the cross, the, the truth of the cross of Christ, God's love, mercy, and the coming judgment to a world that is seemingly, well, basically, literally hell bent on rejecting God. Um, and and it's a tough call, isn't it? Yeah, it is a tough call, but that is, you know, we were told Jesus warned us there wouldn't be an easy, easy road no. following him. Um, but he was always very clear, we must resist everything that opposes God and his ways. And, um, you know, the, the, and that we can do that. And at the same time, treating individual people with love and compassion, because we know that they are loved by God and can be transformed by him. And we know that because we've experienced that for ourselves. Yes. You know, yeah. and that's what every Christian should have, the testimony that it, it, I, I know what a sinner I am and what I have been saved from through God's amazing love and amazing grace. And that's what we want to extend to other people and tell them about. Um you know, that's why Je- Jesus came to bring life and truth and transformation and forgiveness. Yeah. That's what he offers. Yeah. And, 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 and I'm, I'm really, I, you know, I'm personally really challenged by that because I'm thinking, well, okay, I, I, I can do, I can do, you know, talk, we can, I can do a podcast with you about this. I can talk, I can talk about these things, but am I, am I willing to actually kind of really, put my put my kind of money where my mouth is so to speak to actually live out fully my faith that I profess I have because if I if I really if I really genuinely believe that that Jesus Christ died for me rescued me from my sin and he was and is saving me I'm going through that process of sanctification I'm justified, yes, but I'm being sanctified. It's that ongoing process. Then surely I need to accept that I've been rescued from something that is so horrendous and awful. I need to be telling others about that. And I'm challenged by that because it's very easy to to talk about these things and, and... not actually do something um because there's this um there's christian uh, preacher i think who was doing just this he um 
was this was fairly recently, I believe. Uh, he was at a Pride event in Canterbury, and he, him and uh, a friend wanted to go and proclaim the truth to warn those in that town of what they were doing was wrong. And so he actually started out by by reading quite boldly from God's word. And he read Romans chapter 1, 18 to 32. And if you go and look at that passage in your Bible, it's um, it's fairly clear. It's it's not it's not comp- it's not compromising. It's saying as it is, and he was reading this out, and um, he uh, apparently commented about the fact that um, despite the, in his words, and I think he's right here, sadly, the the apostate Church of England's compromised position on gay and trans issues, um, God he said, has nothing to do with LGBTQ other than using it as a means to judge society. And he also shared the gospel message pleading with people. And this is what I'm talking about, pleading with people that only Christ could save them from this wicked and perverse generation, which, of course, is what Peter did in Acts. And uh, people did listen to him. He clearly had a lot of hecklers. It sounded like there was a mob that surrounded him and his companion. And he did actually, um, he did talk about a productive conversation that he had with one lady who was listening to them speak. But during that conversation, six police officers then appeared. And um, one of them was particular. one of these officers sounded particularly um, agitated about what was happening. And he said, can't you just let them have their day? He said to this this guy preaching, and and this chap preaching said, he said they've got a whole month, <laughs> um, and uh, then of course he reminded the police of of the right to free expression, and if if he couldn't preach from the entire Bible, then he really didn't have freedom of speech. And uh, he said it turned into a typical conversation with the UK police when they told him that he, when they told him that he cannot say anything that might in quotes offend somebody. Um, anyway, this went on for a while, and just after 4 p.m., um, one of the police officers arrested him. They confiscated his Bible, and the, the irony was that he got in, when they put him in the cell in the police station, they gave him a Gideon Bible to read. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, what? Talk about talk about um, confused. Um, anyway, so he this was so he's arrested just after 4 p.m. at 12:45 a.m. So quarter to one in the morning. And this was a Sunday morning now. Uh, he was interviewed, and then at three fifteen a.m., he was released on bail pending further investigation. And his Bible was retained as criminal evidence, and he might this person might still be charged. Uh, but interestingly, this this is what this the, this very bold and courageous preacher said. He said, "If there is one thing Britain needs right now, it is voices." I've determined to set my face like flint and not cower before this godless last day's antichrist system. The devil can falsely accuse me, throw me in jail, beat me up, take my Bible, freeze my accounts and hold my money, but he cannot take my faith in Jesus and my call to serve him. I would rather be faithful in holding in a sorry, I would rather be faithful in a holding cell than compromised and living comfortably. Would you stand with me in Christ during this last dark hour? We are in a spiritual war for the souls of men and the basic decency of society. That's amazing, isn't it? I think it is. Yeah, yeah, he's right, isn't he? He is right. Well, we I'm, are in a spiritual I'm war. By it. Yeah, it's very challenging. 
But th- that this is this is this is the uncomfortable reality of where things are. And for too long now, this kind of follower of Jesus has been maligned, has been shoved to the side in church, has been has been talked about as a slightly awkward one, has been said, oh, we don't we don't do things that way here. And frankly, where has that approach got us? Seriously, I mean, honestly, where has it got us? I mean, are we seeing loads of people come to come to know Jesus? No, we're not. We've got to get back to proclaiming truth. And it is hard. It is hard. But we need to help one another in this, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's also interesting because sadly, you know, the police who often are supporting pride events, it could be you see them, you know, dancing or or you have their police cars uh, bedecked in pride uh, colours and everything. And I do wonder if they're actually going against their oath as, as police officers here, because part of their oath is um, upholding fairness and impartiality. And if you've got a police car emblazoned with pride logos, then that's hardly impartial, is it, Helen? No, no, it isn't. But I, th- no. I think, honestly, think that many people have just, have actually just not thought thought it through just it it just it has gradually just become something that they've accepted without thinking Mm. about it and um I know when I spoke to a teacher in school about something that was shown to the children a while ago and and um and she was saying oh well it's you know using all the words diversity and inclusion and tolerance and and everything and when I said to her but all the children need to be taught about is is to respect other people and to be kind to other people, whoever mm. they are, yeah, you know, yeah. whatever their beliefs are. But they don't need to go into all this. I, I said, you know, for example, if if um, you know, I don't need to to know all the ins and outs and be taught about a particular religion in order to be kind to someone from that religion. Yes, if I, if I know that it is right to treat them as a human being, um, in a respectful and kind way. And it doesn't matter who they are, and and she didn't really have an answer because you know I said that's what I want my children to be. I want my children to be if they are behaving in school, they're not bullying mm. other people. Yeah. They're being kind yeah. to other people. They're yeah. being respectful to other people. Are they doing that? I hope they are. Oh yes, 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 yes. It's like well, that's that then. That's yeah. fine then. <laughs> you, 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 you're fulfilling your your remit. If the school are doing that, they're fulfilling their remit and doing well. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I don't. My, my, my impression is very similar. I, I don't think. Well, it doesn't strike me that that a lot of teachers, particularly in this case, have thought it through. They've just they're just towing the party line, and it's having tragic results. Um, and and it needs to stop. It really does, um, but yeah, it's it's it is, it is it is a challenge. I mean, there's so much here we could we could talk about, isn't it? Do you want to, do you want to, you've got anything more to say on the kind of you know our response and and what we should do, Helen, or or or, or I think importantly sometimes not do, but well, I think we've talked about haven't we? Um, making a stand when when we need to, um, 
and we've talked about um, t- children where that's important with with schools and that it can be costly. Um, I think it's really important, as we've said before, to be talking about this in church. And if we're not to you know to ask our church leaders why are we not talking about this Mm. everyone else is it's everywhere outside around us for a whole month why are we not talking about it in church we should be we should be talking about this we should be discussing this together um and helping one another with this so you know it's just the sort of head in the sand is not it's not helpful no it's not And, and and i think we have such a plethora of, of resources available to us now let's not suggest every resource we have available is a good one because some are appalling but but in terms of christian resources i'm talking about here but but some are really good and there's a lot that uh you know as as the church we could be making use of to to equip especially our young people i think to be able to navigate their way through an increasingly hostile world when you hold to a biblical worldview um, and you're absolutely right, Helen. That this should be this should be talked about in church much, much more than it is. Um, it's not, you know, it's not the only thing we should talk about in church. But it, but we have, but it has to be applicable to, you know, what happens in a week. If 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 I'm going to church on a Sunday, it has to impact me on the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's no good. It's no good just being a nice little homily that will kind of you know, entertain me for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning. It's got to, it's got to cause me to dig into God's word to, you know, deepen, help me deepen my uh, understanding of who Jesus is, of what he's done for me and to spur me on in my faith, to exhort me, to warn me, to encourage me. Um, and uh, if your, if your church does that, encourage your church leader. We said this many, many times. Don't, please don't un- underestimate the value of emailing your church leader, phoning a church leader, making them a cake, whatever it is, <laughs> yeah, doing something good. to tell them that you that you're thankful to God for what they're doing. Because sometimes you know, leadership is a lonely thing, and it's it's a really really easy thing to actually show somebody that you value them. And I think we need to value good leaders. I'm not suggesting we value bad leaders. I don't think we should. I think bad leaders should be put in something else because we're in the wrong job. And we've got a lot of those, sadly, too. Um, but for good leaders, we should be valuing and supporting and standing with them um, and discipling new leaders. Because, you know, young people going growing up in church and perhaps thinking, you know what, maybe I feel God's calling me into, into something, um, um, some Christian work because all, all work is ministry, isn't it? Whether you're in church or in the secular world, it's all the ministry that God puts us in. But if if it's full-time Christian ministry in the sense that it's a um, perhaps something to do with church or something like that, then young people need good role models to look to. They need to see particularly um, men who are bold and courageous and faithful to God's word standing on the truth and kind of you know with humility demonstrating how the narrow path should be trod um i've said a lot there anyway (laughs) anything to anything to add before we finish ellen 
Um, no, I think no, I think you're right. Um, yeah, I can finish, finish with. Yeah, do you want to finish with a bit, a bit, a bit of, scripture, of scripture? Because that's the most important yeah. thing, isn't it? In God's word. Yes. Yeah. So I'm going to read from John chapter 15, um, mm-hmm. beginning at verse eight. If I can see, the light is a bit poor here. So <laughs> just going to. Uh, Need to light another candle, don't you? I do need to light another candle, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, so that my joy may be complete, may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. Yeah, that's that's great, isn't it? These words of Jesus, which are so apt for what we've been talking about, and that that wonderful reminder, um, not only of the love shown to us through Him, um, the fact that we remain in His love, um, the fact that we lay our lives down, but also the fact that um, we can expect opposition and opposition um is perhaps uh, a sign that we're doing something good we're about kingdom business and uh, i think we need to be encouraged with that never afraid that's a bad thing never be afraid but to be encouraged and to be spurred on and uh, ultimately to remember that this life is but but a vapor and uh make the most of doing what God calls us to while we can. Anything you want to add before we finish? No, I was just thinking, I think it's always a good thing to ask God to keep on filling us with his Holy Spirit. Um, That's how we get the strength to obey him and to follow him and to, to do what he calls us to. Yeah. 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 No, totally. That is a that is a very very good reminder. Um, and on that note, I think we will uh, 
let's finish there thank you very much for listening um uh we really appreciate uh you listening to this podcast and sharing it with those you think it might encourage and uh, spur on you can of course get in contact with us if you want to if you want to share any any feedback or uh, any topics particularly that you might like us to consider in future we're very very open to that um do check out the links we have on our link tree there's um Helen's Substack, which is very, very good and worth subscribing to. Uh, there's the um, various links to all the different ways you can listen to the podcast and share it with people because it's, it's on all sorts of platforms. We we put it through Podbean, but it's, it's, it's on the, the normal platforms as well. Uh, and of course, if you want to support the podcast financially, you can do that through Buy Me A Coffee as well. That's always appreciated. Um, and yeah, just, just pray for wisdom for us. And, um, I think that's it, isn't it, Helen? That's it. Yep. Cool. Nice one. Well, we'll see you on the next one. See you next time. Bye. Bye.